Well, happy Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's Day. And so um, we're going to appropriately be talking about love. John 3, 16. No, I'm kidding. Jesus loves you. All right. Great service. Have a great week. I'll see you at Sydney Church. So good. Um, well, today we're going to be um, continuing on um, along similar lines as last week. Um, and so we're going to be coming out of Romans 5, and we're going to start with uh, verse 17 through to 19. In a way, I'm apologetic. It's a little bit scripture heavy today, but in a way I'm not because it's God's word. Um, it's uh, Verse 17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. It will live in triumph triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be righteous. The other verse we're going to be working it out of today is Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 6. And it says, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy that you gave your son, um, that he was obedient to you and that through his obedience we have been saved, that we've been set free, that we are no longer bound to sin, that we've been redeemed. And Lord, I pray that today as we speak your word, I pray that it pierces hearts, that it pierces identities, it pierces character. And Lord, I pray that your word shall not return void. God, I pray for myself today that as I'm speaking, your Holy Spirit leads me, that it guides me, and that your word that you want to speak today is, is spoken. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last week, um, we started out in Romans chapter 5, and we, um, thank you, Shala, and um, worship team. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. If you didn't hear that on the live stream, mental blank, and Mark just whispered, my name's Mark, just to give me a little subtle reminder. All right. Off to a great start. Come on. All right. So we were talking out of Romans 5 last week, and we, we spoke about perseverance and how when we persevere through situations, it produces a character within us. And that character, uh, as we grow our character, it, it produces hope. And so we spoke about persevering and how we learn more in, in the valleys as we, we learn more about ourselves in the valleys and about God's character and our character as we walk through the valley of death. Um, and we spoke about how our rock bottom situations aren't necessarily the situations that we would choose to walk through. But if we actually had the choice, we would probably not to choose to walk through that valley or to walk into that situation. But it's through those situations where God's going to use you. And we spoke about how Moses um, 
God asked Moses to go back to Pharaoh and the situation that uh, Moses had to go through in facing Pharaoh and asking for his people to let him go. And it was a situation where he had to persevere. And in that, God developed his character so that um, Moses was able to lead the Israelites through the desert. Um, and then we spoke a, um, a, a bit about how instead of being Christians who ask for situations to be taken away or us to be removed from a situation and these hard times to go away and all that kind of thing, maybe we need to be Christians who pray for strength so that we can get through that situation and develop that character that God's trying to work within us. Um, so then from there we spoke about character and, and our little catchphrase was last, last week was, if you want to go, you got to grow. Come on. A few people remembered it from last week. Um, and so we spoke about aligning our character with the character of God. And I kind of made a distinction that uh, if we align our character with God, it produces hope. But if we align our character with the world, then it produces fear, which is the opposite of hope. Because um, we can't stand upon the things of the world because they're, they're the shifting sands and we can't rely upon it. But we can rely upon God. So that was last week, um, and on the way home, I called my wife, Katie, and she was like, Regan, you did such a good job, great sermon, um, and we, I had heaps of you guys come up afterwards and say that really spoke to you, and we had the same kind of thing in, um, in our Dubai service where so many people, we had old faces even come back and be like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what I needed to hear, I haven't been for a few weeks, but you know, I was back, and that's what God wanted to say to me, I felt like it was right for me. And so I was kind of in, in a, um, I was going up, you know, feeling good, awesome. And anyway, so I was speaking to Katie on the way home and she goes, Regan, you missed one thing. I was like, oh, okay, what did I miss? She didn't know what I was preaching on, by the way. And she said, I was just waiting for you to say, you need to develop a character called hope. And I was like, oh, that would have been a perfect line. <laughs> um, but anyway, but it kind of like made me reflect and, and think and like listen to my spirit a little bit because there was something stirring in there. And so I started to pray about it. And as, as I was speaking to God, he was like, Regan, this, this is what I feel like you did, is you set the table and you put the plate in front of the people and then you gave them an entree, but you left the main meal hanging. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's a tough tough uh, thing to hear from God right after you preach a good word and everyone loved it and felt it like it was from them. And so today we're going back into part two uh, and it's going to be a continuation on from last week um, and we're going to be continuing to talk about a character called hope. Um, and so what God really put on my heart was the main meal, the main thing that we were missing was that people are looking for hope. You spoke about perseverance, you spoke about character, and that's good. We need that. But people are looking for hope. So today we're going to be diving into the Bible. We're going to be talking about how perseverance creates character, character creates hope. We covered that last week. But how does, um, so perseverance creates, yeah, we covered it. Um, so we're going to be talking about hope today. And I'm going to be a little bit bold and adventurous, and I'm going to try and cover the whole entire Bible in one sermon. Okay. <laughs> So here we go. Hold on tight. Um, and we're basing it all out of Romans 5, 17 through 19, which we read at the start. So let's reread it again, just so we kind of have that framework in mind of, of hope. Um, and we, we start at the start. It says, for the sin of this one man, Adam. So we're talking creation. We're talking Genesis. Uh, God's first creation, the first man was Adam. 
and he caused death to rule over many. But even greater, it's God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So then we're coming to the gospel. Um, and what we will end up doing is we'll get to the end of the Bible in a moment. So at the beginning, to set the scene, we're going to go right back into Genesis where God created Adam and Eve. Now, he's just spent a whole bunch of days creating the heavens, creating the earth, created the things in the air and the beasts of the ground and all those kinds of things. And, you know, after each time he created one of those things, he said, oh, this is good. This is good. And then he creates man. And you know what he said? This is very good. So God had created us. Um, and in Genesis 1 verse 26, it actually says he created man in his image and his likeness. So, of course, it's going to be very good. So, you and I, we were all created in God's likeness. Just like we finished up speaking on last week, that's where we finished off, was you are the image of God and that you're full of worth because of what Jesus has done for you. And that's where I, our identity comes from. So, God created Adam and Eve and it was very good. But then Adam and Eve, they eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because if you read through it, it, it was because they wanted to be more like God. The serpent deceived them and said, no, you will not die if you eat of the fruit. Your eyes will be opened and you will be more like God. So in, in the effort of going through and eating the fruit, the whole purpose of why they wanted to do it, because they wanted to be more like God. But the funny thing is God already created them in his image. What they were seeking, what they were going after they already were, and God wanted to, he wanted to be the source, not the tree, but God said, don't eat of the tree because I want to be your source of identity. So where are we looking for our identity outside of God? Because at the end of the day, that's the same thing that Adam and Eve fell into, is looking for our identity outside of God. But is God our source? Is God the reason? Is God the center of our identity? And is that who we're looking to, to see who we are? Or are we looking elsewhere at other things, at our jobs, at our family? That's all part of it. But at the very core, at the very center of it all is God. And so... Um, Instead of looking elsewhere for our identity, let's go through, let's look at the Bible for what God says we are. Let's use the God's word to come up with and, and really ingrain who our identity is and who our character is. So we're going to go to Ephesians 1, chapters three, uh, verses 3 to 5. And it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Remember that because we'll come back to it. Because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Holy and without fault. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, there you go, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It says that we ourselves were adopted into God's family. 
we are the sons and the daughters of God, the one who hung the stars in the heavens, the one who created the earth, the one who created the trees and everything that you see as you walk through. You are the son, you are the daughter of the God most high, and that is your identity. That is who you are. It's not about who your friends say you are. It's not about who your family says you are. It's not about that bully. It's not about that diagnosis that you have. That diagnosis is not your character. It's not your identity. But your identity is as a son and as a daughter of God. Just for a second, like really think about and imagine the one who supplies all, who is all-powerful, knows all things, is your dad. Whatever, and I don't know who, who's had good fathers, bad fathers, all that kind of stuff, but God is the perfect father. God wants to take care of you. He loves you very dearly. You know, he sees when his children struggle and he wants to take care of them. He wants to bless you. He wants to make sure you uh, prosper. He doesn't want to see you struggle and hurt and all that kind of thing. Um, he is the perfect God and the perfect Father, which means that each and every one of us as sons and daughters are brothers and sisters. And all of a sudden it starts to change your whole perspective on the people who you hang around, the people who you see, even out in the public. Maybe they're not saved yet, but God is calling you and asking you and calling them to connect with them because when they accept Jesus Christ, they come back into the family. So when you're inviting people to come to church, when you're inviting people to hear the gospel, you're inviting them to come back into a place of love and acceptance because Jesus loved them, because God loved them. They're your brother, they're your sister, and we love each other. The whole concept of family and God's family can reshape and reframe your whole focus. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10, it goes on and it says that God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you've done, so none can boast about it. For you or we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Just imagine all the art paintings and the sculptures and all those kinds of things, you know, artistic. I'm not super artistic. I don't know much about it. But I do know that these things like Mona Lisa, Statue of David, the Sistine Chapel, all that kind of stuff, like these things are priceless. In the same way that these things are priceless because somebody created them and they're, um, they're unique they're special, they're intricately woven, they're made with such detail in mind the same way that those things were created, you are created. God created you to be a masterpiece. You're all unique, you're all special. He knows every hair on your head because he was the one who created you. And when he created you, he created you in his image because you are his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. 
you know, there's another part in there. It says um, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of it can boast. None of us can boast about it. And I just thank God that it's not about my efforts. It's not about the good stuff, the sum of all the good stuff that I could do minus all the bad stuff that I've done. And, you know, if I come out on top and I'm kind of in the positive, then God will accept me. Um, But it's actually about who he created me to be. And that in and of itself, without anything else, without any works from my end, that's who God says that I am. I thank God every day that it was by his grace and by his mercy that he created me anew in Christ. Because I know that who I am now is not who I used to be before I came to know Christ. Who I am now is very different to the Regan that I used to be. I mean, you can ask my wife. She kind of knew me a bit beforehand and I was surprisingly very different. I think it would catch a lot of you guys off guard if I actually told you (laughs) what I was like. I actually... um, I'm very competitive and it used to, I used to not have a filter um, before I was saved. But when it came to soccer, if I was playing, or football, if you call it that, um, angry Regan would come out. <laughs> the first time that Katie ever came to watch me play soccer, there was a guy who kicked me in the ribs and the ref kind of let, let, let the game go on. And I ran across the field at the referee. I pulled up my shirt because I had a big red mark down my chest. And I was running across the uh, field towards the referee going, Ref, Ref, look at this. How did you let this go? What are you doing? Have you even got eyes in your head? <laughs> like that, would, that was the Regan that I used to be. <laughs> there was no holding back, but I, you know, I couldn't see myself doing that now. Um, thank God, all to his grace and his glory um, because of that. In, in a change, <laughs> amen, praise God. Uh, Ephesians 2, in a change of pace, we're actually going to go backwards a little bit through the Bible. Ephesians 2 verses 6 and 7 um, says that, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ. This is a, we're going to, I'm going to try to make sure this is clear because this can be a little bit confusing, is it says he seated us in heavenly realms. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I would call this room heavenly realms. (laughs) It is very nice and I love having church down here and gathering with all of you, but I don't know, it says we were seated in heavenly realms. And so what I want to, delve into here is that when we um, accepted Christ, God seated us in a heavenly realm and we all know that God lives outside of time and eternity, one way that you can define it is the absence of time. And so if you think of it that way, we're starting to get into very confusing stuff here because in a way we're already seated with God in heavenly realms, but I'm kind of standing here today and I'm like, I'm there, but I'm here, but I'm, I'm still there with God. And it gets a little bit confusing. But here's what I want to say to you today. Think of heavenly realms as in the promised land. Heaven, 
is our promised land, the same way that the promised land of Israel, now Israel, was for the Israelites coming out of Egypt. He had promised them a land in the same way that God has promised us and a place, like we sang before. He's saved us a place in, his, in my father's house. He's got a place for me. That is our promised land. And I want to I wanna parallel this. And I don't know if you know this, um, but the story of the Exodus actually parallels our story of salvation. So we've spoken a little bit about who we were created to be. We've spoken about Genesis and things like that. We spoke about how Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and through that, sin and death came into the world. And then I've spoken a little bit about the promised land and the heavenly realms, but that's all well and good, but we're here. So I want to meet you here. Where are we now? In the desert. We're in the desert. So if we look at the story of Exodus and paralleling our story, Egypt was pre-salvation, before we accepted Christ. We were in bondage. We were in slavery to death and sin. But then Jesus comes along. And when we accept Jesus into our life, we walk through the, the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea. And that is salvation. That is water baptism. And then we come out into the desert which is where we are now. The desert is where character is created, where we have to rely upon God. And if we look at how the Egyptians were, they were constantly seeing the miracles of God. They saw the Red Sea parted. They had manna every morning when they woke up. God cared for them. He was the father. He wanted to make sure that his children did not go without food in the desert. So he provided the food for them. He looked after them and cared for them. And the whole time the uh, Israelites, as they're wandering through the desert, were constantly looking back and going, we want to go back to Egypt because it was better there. And I wonder how many of us are in that place at the moment. I want to go back to the way things were because it's tough. It's hard. And it was better back there. I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to listen to God. I didn't have to listen to the Bible, listen to this book. It was better back there. But what they failed to realize was that in the desert is where God provided for them, where God looked after them, where God sustained them, where he kept them walking towards a promised land. Whereas Egypt, he wasn't, he wasn't there. He wasn't providing the manna. He just said, yep, let my people go. Let them come back to me. Now, all of a sudden, when we look at it in that way, when we're talking about working out our salvation, you have been saved, we've come out of Egypt, you've accepted Christ, and you, uh, you will be saved. Is You haven't made it yet to the promised land, and you're still working things out. It all makes sense as in this weird way where we're in the desert, but you're in the heavenly realms. You're sitting here at North Lakes Hotel, but you're in heaven with uh, Jesus. It's all this weird there, um, but not quite yet. It's the promised land, the heavenly realm, where God is calling us into, but we're already there. So it's this weird back and forth, I'm there, but I'm not, okay? So if I could have worship team, you guys can come back up. That would be awesome. And so to really wrap this all up, tie it in a bow, 
so you can remember it, take it, dig it into your heart, till that soil, grow it. I want us to think of a few things. This week when I was driving in my car to work on one particular morning, the traffic was horrendous. I don't know why, but it's all of a sudden gotten really bad. And I got bored. I'd listened to worship music. I'd prayed. I'd listened to a podcast. Yet I still wasn't even close to work. And so I just opened up Spotify. I'm like, oh, what can I listen to to pass the time? And there was a playlist in there. It said songs from 2011, which was 10 years ago. And so I started listening to these songs. And they were bringing back memories. 2011 was a good year for me. Um, It was the year that our son Charlie was born. I was living in America with Katie. Um, We were still at university, still studying. It was a good year. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that was nice back then. 2011 was good. It was good. But then I felt God say, would you go back? I was like, oh, yeah, feels pretty good. 2011 was a good year. I'd go back. And then he said to me, when you get to 2031, would you look back at 2021 and want to go back? And I was like, oh, okay. Asking the tough questions, God. Would I come back to 2021? And he said, Regan, this was a challenge to me. You guys can accept it or not, up to you. He said, Regan, when you get to 2031, I want you to look back at 2021 and go, no, I would not go back. No matter how good your year is, I don't want you to say that you would go back. I want you to have an imagination of the heavenly realm of the person who you are, who I created you to be. And you're working so hard over the next 10 years to persevere, to grow your character um, into who I'm calling you to be so that you grow so much in 10 years that when you look back, you go, no way. I am so much more who you've called me to be. I've grown so much in who you want me to be that there is no way that I would want to go back no matter how good 2021 is. I am more truly who God created me to be in 2031 than I am now in 2021. So while we're in the desert, can we have the positive imagination? Can we have the hope? Can we have the eyes for who God is calling us to be? Can we use our imagination to see who God's calling us to be? Can we pursue and go after the things of God who God's calling us to be to develop our character to develop who we are so that when we look back at 2021 we look back and we don't go oh I want to go back to Egypt maybe not we're in Egypt but that's cool I don't want to go back to 2021 because who I am now is so much better and so much more who God wants me to be than who I was in 2021 can we have eyes for eternity where we're already who God created us to be, free of sin, free of all the bad things in our life, free of all the negative things that we've done. Can we have the imagination of who we're supposed to be? Because I praise God that it's not through all the good things that I've done, not through the person that I've helped, not through the money that I gave, not through the times that I served, that all add up minus all the bad things that I've done, the anxieties that I have, the depression, the medical diagnoses, 
all of those things. It's not the pluses, minus the minuses that come out to who I'm supposed to be. It's not all of those things, but it's actually who God's called you to be and through His grace and through His mercy that you are who you are called to be, that you are fully human. Because Jesus covered all those things. He took away the shame. He took away the sin. Broke off all of those things that you call yourself or other people call you. And he said, you are mine and you are part of my family. You are my masterpiece. Don't you dare start saying that you're anything else. Because those other things do not define who you are. It's God who defines who you are. This is the hope of the gospel. That it's not through your strength, that it's not through your might, that you receive salvation. Because if you, if it was through any of that, you could boast and say, I did all of this, look at what I did. But it was only through the grace of God that we received salvation. And it came through one man named Jesus who saved us from who we are and he's calling us to be a different people. He said that we are above and not below. He said you are the head and not the tail. We are conquerors. We are overcomers in the name of Jesus. You're not captive to anxiety, to depression, to medical diagnosis, to the names that other people say that you are, but you are God's masterpiece. We are in the heavenly realms with God. in the heavenly realms with God. Start having the imagination of seeing yourself, of picturing yourself in heaven with God around His throne, worshipping Him. Because that is who God has called you to be.